first time in 2023 as they head to Marvel and under trying conditions didn't exactly kick straight, but they were ahead at the end of the game. 12-16-88 to 6-4-40, the score with the Kangaroos really struggling to go with the Hawks, but a three-goal 13 first half did not exactly set a foundation towards one of the bigger wins that we've had in 2023, but five wins in, that's all we can ask for to be ahead on the scoreboard, and what a good game it was. If you weren't watching it live, that's the only thing that I'm going to say. But on reflection, I've had to watch the game back. It was a lot better watching it knowing the result, let me tell you. But uh, Lukey Bruce and Mitch Lewis kick three each. Uh, Carl Amon and John Newcomb had 33. Nash and Warple, 32. Day and Ward, 28. McDonald and Moore, 27. Sounds like Noah's Ark at the moment. They were doing it two by two. The Hawks on their way. To yet another win, this is the Talking Hawks podcast, your one-stop shop for audio, Hawthorne content, connecting you not just to each other and fans all around the world, but to the club itself. My name's Daz, I've got Timmy alongside me, great man, win number five, six games to go, it's all happening. Absolutely, it was, uh, as you said, it wasn't a game that lived up to any real big standards, but being there at the ground, it was so nice to be able to celebrate Another win. I've been to uh, to Marvel Stadium twice this year for two victories, and it's more than I can say for being at the MCG. So, yeah, so you're, the the hope, you're the you're the great. You're like Nick Davis in 05, mate. You're the great white hope that's just getting us across the line. I like that. Uh, and any time to talk about a cat's loss is nice, especially talking about Hawthorne <laughs> and North. But you guys at home or wherever you might be listening, you know how this works by now. This is the six points where we go three big points out of the game all the week, but we're going the game here. And we can get through it. A way to review the game that isn't just your same old standard. We like mixing it up here at Talking Hawks. And since I've rambled on for the opening two minutes, mate, I'm going to give you the new ball. You are Paddy Cummins steaming in. I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got. What have you got for us first up? Yeah, so my first point, I want to talk about uh, footy IQ and in particular, Chad Wingard. So go back five weeks. and Chad, one of my favourites. And I will admit tonight there'll be a few few of those players who are... uh, who are favourites of mine. But go back five weeks ago, and it looked like he there was no chance of him getting back uh, into the team. You know, he's, he's at Box Hill. He's not able to hit the scoreboard. He's, he is getting touches, but looked like he was uh, well and truly off the pace. Comes back in for the Carlton game, and since then, while he hasn't necessarily been hitting the scoreboard, the footy IQ he has possessed and what he's been able to actually do has been absolutely amazing, I, I think. So, on the weekend, 18 touches, six score involvements, three goal assists, took six marks, four tackles. Was actually pressuring around the ball, which is not something that we've become accustomed to with uh, with Chad over the later part of his years, especially with the injuries to hamstrings and calf muscles. And it was just the footy IQ. There was one in particular where he took a mark on 50, literally wheeled around onto his left and hit... Mitch Lewis, free in the goal square. Mitch runs in, kicks his third, and he just went, that's why he's in the team. We've been trying to play Sammy Butler, and I'm, I'm a big Butsy fan, but he's a, a midfielder that we're trying to turn into a small forward, similar to Jack O'Sullivan. And the footy IQ that Chad possesses is the reason that he's getting a game currently in that side. And you just look at it yesterday. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, you look at it yesterday, and you just went, that's why he's there. You know, if he's able to have three goal assists per game and, and be able to get involved in the score involvements, he kicked two behinds. He could have had two himself. No, I think there's a, a reason that we're seeing a, a bit of chat in the side at the moment, and I'm grateful that he's there. And you talk about a good half-forwards game, mate. He took six marks, of which none were inside 50, 
worked his way up the ground, laid four tackles, all of them inside our forward 50. Yes, please, yep. Chadwick. Yes, please. I like it. <clears throat> You're a big fan of the Chad, and we love the Chad around here. Uh, I'm going to do so. I'm actually going to switch up my order, mate, because you've actually brought up a good point with the Chad, but I'm going to put my first point last. So I'm going to move things up here. I want to talk about Box Hill. Now, not the Box Hill game. Don't uh, fret about that, Hawks fans. But I want to talk about why Box Hill is so important. And not just to us here at Talking Hawks, because our relationship with Box Hill is amazing, incredible, and we've been able to do some awesome things with the likes of Ed Sill, uh, Zane Littlejohn this year, have been awesome. Uh, Clint Proctor last year, we've done some great things. But in pure Hawthorne sense, they've been awesome. So I look at North, and I'm going to talk about our similarities in a little bit. But their twos are not good. At all. I look at Melbourne, Brisbane. They're very good in the AFL. They're very good in the VFL. What you've got to be able to do with your twos is to be able to, when you're out of form in the AFL, drop that low, but uh, that rung below, get yourself into form, get your confidence back up, come back up into the AFL and go. And I don't think there's been a better player in the competition to do that, especially in the last six weeks than Josh Ward. So he gets dropped from the side which is fine. That happens. He's a youngster. Um, fans did overreact a little bit, you know, the, the should have drafted Jai miss or, you know, pick any random player that you want. But he went and had his 36 and a goal and fans were still whinging. It was, he didn't tackle enough. When you're getting 36 touches of the pill, Timmy, I wouldn't expect you to tackle because you're finding the damn ball. But anyway, we'll move on. So now he's come back into the AFL after a good run in a good seconds team. And let's go through what he's done since. Against Carlton, he had 28 disposals and was the BOG in Smithy's rankings just quietly at 82% with 21 pressure acts, 6 marks and 4 clearances. It's a pretty handy return. Oh, but Daz, you might be thinking, maybe he had a week off. Yeah, I don't think so. 20 disposals at 70%, 5 score involvements, 2 goals and nearly 300 metres game playing on a wing against GWS. Yes, please, umpire. And kind of copped a half tag in that second half by Harry Perriman too, just quietly. And then comes out against North and has 28 at 79%, 11 contested, 5 score involvements, 5 marks, 4 clearances, 15 pressure acts, and 460 metres gained. That is the benefit of having a two system that works for you. Now, do we need a second tier competition where it's just like the AFL sides, like the old-fashioned reserves? I'm a big yes, Timmy. I'd love for you to answer that question in just a minute, mate, and take, you know, as much as I appreciate the sides like your Southports, your Frankstons, your Northern Bullants, whoever it might be, it's so clear they're not on the same level. Yes, Werribee are going really well this year. I understand that, but... Having a seconds competition where the players that are low on confidence can get their confidence back is key. And the professionalism that Joshy Waters showed is why this kid's playing 250 for the Hawks. And I loved it. I've loved what he's done on return. And I don't give a stuff who the opposition is. You've still got to be able to find the footy. Well done, Joshy Ward. Yeah, I think Wardy's looked fantastic since coming back in. Obviously, he had the, uh, the leather poisoning down at Box Hill. And he's come back into the side. He's making that wing spot his own. And... I think that the composure that he's showing, I think that was one of the things that early on in the season we weren't too sure as to whether or not we're going to see the second year blues from him uh, because mm. he wasn't able to show some of that composure. He was getting run down with the ball. Uh, seemed to lack a bit of game awareness. But since he had his injury and then went back to Box Hill and sort of did his, did his little bit of penance there before coming into the, uh, into the main side, you can definitely see that, yeah, he's certainly one that we like having in the team. 
getting a lot of the pill, being able to use it quite well. And to add to that list, as you can have a look at uh, Finn McGuinness and C-Mac, who both went back to Box Hill and have come mm. back and are definitely making you know, a statement in terms of keeping their positions. And then in terms of uh, if we should have, a, a, I guess, a reserves for all the AFL clubs, I think it certainly would be handy. But if you look at West Coast injury currently at the moment, I think uh, Frankston and the Northern Bullets would probably give them a run. So, you know, you're probably still going to see some of those mismatches, unfortunately. Yeah, but to be fair, the West Coast waffle side can't go and recruit blokes, though, whereas you probably would be able to in your reserve side because, as we know, you've got things like your 21st men and stuff like that. You would work around it, but, yeah, I agree with you. There would be some under-18. The Bendigo Pioneers, Harley Reid's mob, would be almost <laughs> be able to take down West Coast's waffle team at the moment. So... A huge congrats to the Chad and Joshy Ward. We don't just go after the obvious people here on Talking Hawks. It's why you love us. But, Timmy, I know you're going to bring something special to the table with your second and our third point, mate. What have you got for us? Uh, this is one that I've got a massive soft spot for this bloke. Uh, Smithy and I, I think we butt heads every single week uh, when we talk about this particular player. It's it's the much maligned Sam Frost. I'm, I'm a big Frost fan. I I like what he uh, he adds to the team. Now, I know we see the frost ball moments, and I know he can be very frustrating. And, and believe me, as one of his biggest supporters, whenever he's got the ball in his hand and goes to kick it, I have my heart in my mouth just like every other <laughs> Hawthorne supporter. But in terms of he's on the leadership team, and I, I want you to look back last week against GWS. He was asked to play as the backup ruck. Went and did it and did a, a pretty decent job of it. Comes up against Nick Larkey and... For the second time this year on Nick Larkey, he has looked fantastic. He was given the big job early on in the season, round three. We didn't have Blank playing. Blank was out with his wisdom teeth. So Frosty was given the job on Larkey, towed him up that day, played yesterday on Larkey, towed him up. The only goal Larkey kicked was when Frost came over to try and help out young Joshy Weddle and the ball went over the back. And I just thought Frosty's game yesterday where he was on song. He got the ball and he handballed to a good, to a player in a good position. He picked the perfect player to handball to. He wasn't trying to kick. He wasn't trying to do anything fancy. And I just love Frosty's game yesterday because I think that's what we need to see from him. And being a leadership member, that's what we wanted to see. And we've had those moments throughout the year where we've pulled our hair out and I don't have very much left on my head after uh, being the number one ticket holder of the, the Sam Frost fan, fan club. But it, it brings me to, I guess, a, a bit of a devil's advocate his two best games this year have come with James Blank not in the team. How do we it's, get him and Blank working best together? Yeah, it's it's also come for mine is that they're both they're both fullbacks. That's the problem. I think we grossly underestimate the centre half back position. So you think of someone like and I know comparing Sam Frost to Darcy Moore is ridiculous. I understand that, but Frost, both of them play back shoulder, and that's and that's it. it James Frawley was exactly the same. Brian Lake was not. Brian Lake could play centre-half back if we asked him to. We could not ask James Frawley to play centre-half back because that's not what he is. He's not your... I know Frost is an athlete, and I know he's got the pace, and like you say, the Frostball moments. I only want Frosty to do two things, and that's... I'd love to say handball, but what he did to Seamus Mitchell in the Carlton game doesn't exactly give me a whole lot of confidence with that either. So... Frosty, four steps and just smack the thing as far... It's like Daz's golf swing, Timmy. No one knows where it's going, but it's going to be hit hard. That's all we need from the Frost man. But they're both back shoulder players. And in today's AFL where you need to rebound 
out of the back half and get transition scores of which the Hawks are third last in the competition and you'll never guess who 17th and 18th are but they're the two teams below us on the ladder <laughs> it, it is a problem and I can understand him being the experienced guy he is the fall guy for fan ire but I'm with you I feel like I'm going to miss Frosty when he goes I don't know when that is and I don't like retiring blokes but the day he hangs up the boots, I feel like I'm going to get some nostalgia out of it. And that's why I'm with you. I love him, but I also understand the frustration. It's a balancing act. But I thought he was good. I'm with you. I like it. Alrighty. Frosty. Anyone have love for Frosty on their bingo card going into the Sunday game? I'm not sure. But anyway. I do. Uh, you do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Mr. Optimism. He always did. Uh, my, my second point, mate, is I'm, I'm actually going to give someone some love. So it, it's been a loving start. And don't worry, I'm going negative on my third one, Hawks fans. So don't think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too early. But I think there's someone that needs a lot of credit at the Hawks who gets none. And that is Mark McKenzie. Because I want to explain to you just how similar Hawthorne and North Melbourne are and yet, why we're better. I know that sounds confusing, but work with me. Let's just look at the two teams that took to the field. All right? Both of them have got a full back that is driving the fans insane. We've got Frosty. They've got Ben Mackay. Now, Frosty might be... He, his heart doesn't exactly... His, his brain doesn't match his heart sometimes, and we love Frosty for that. Ben Mackay for mine's checked out. If he's at North next year, I'll... I'll buy a North membership. That's just how crazy that is at the moment. Both teams don't have a centre-half forward. We just we just don't. Charlie Combin's the young guy for, for North. They refused to draft one because they thought he was going to come good, and the poor bloke just keeps getting injured. But both of us have a really elite full forward. Nick Larkey's still top eight in the Coleman medal right now. And I know Mitch Lewis isn't, but he's top six in the comp for average goals per game, I believe. I didn't double-check that, but I know going into the game he was, and you'd like to think after kicking three, his average isn't going to go down too much. Both of us have unproven small forwards. Now, they've got Paul Curtis, and we've got Brocky. They're your young guys. We've got Chad, and they've got Jaden Stevenson. Now, I know which one I'd rather have. That's not the debate here. That's not the debate here. But still, much maligned and have been dropped throughout the year. But the other thing that amazes me about this is we both play too many midfielders. Just straight up too many mids. North played on the weekend. Sheasel, Scott, that's Bailey Scott, Taran Thomas, Luke Davis-Uniak, George Wardlaw, who unfortunately didn't take part in the game after being subbed out with a hamstring injury. Shields and Curtis Taylor. Now, is the next North Finals team really going to contain a lot of those guys? I would argue no. You also got to remember that on the sidelines, they had Will Phillips, Ben Cunnington, Jai Simpkin, Hugh Greenwood, Tom Powell, and Charlie Lazaro. All guys that have played footy. The Hawks went with Newcomb, Ward, Warple, Nash, McDonald, more, I've said more twice, I think. No, I haven't. McGuinness and Day. That is straight up too many mids. Now, they all had roles. That's not the debate here. But on paper, that's too many midfielders. And don't forget, at some point, we've got to find a spot for Cam McKenzie, Cooper Stevens, Henry Hustwaite, Ned Long, and Jai Sarong on our list. So that's a lot of midfield depth for both of us. We've both got Ruckman who aren't taking the next step yet. Now ours, obviously Ned Reeves is performance based. Same with Lloyd Meek. Tristan Sherry has been injured, but we're both pretty similar in a lot of profile uh, aspects of the game. We were, we were six months apart in terms of experience. We were 24.7 years on the weekend. They were 24.1. So again, it's so similar. 
But what did we do right and what are North doing wrong in this? And it is recruiting. I'm really sorry that uh, Hawthorne fans, including myself, think that we're all the off-season and we're the drafting experts, but you've got to admit that we've got it right because North's kids are not showing enough. Luke Davies-Uniac is the only one in the last two years that's improved. The only midfielder that's improved. Jai Simpkin, yes, did win another best and fairest, but he's not an elite mid. He's just not. We know the issues of Tar and Thomas. They're still playing Jack Zebel and Aaron Hall in their back pockets. Like That's not getting the job done. We went younger. We went faster. We went slicker. Now, sure, we've lost more games by 40-plus points than North have this year. We've lost eight. They've lost five. I know which team I would rather be, though. Mark McKenzie deserves the credit. I need to give some credit also to Jeremy from the Center Bounce. Right, He's a great YouTuber and a great man, and he's a North man who came up with this stat for me, mate. From 2010 to 2016. So that's a group, basically, of either 31-year-olds on the experience level or seventh year in the system, you'd be about 25. Throughout every single one of those seven drafts, North Melbourne have kept three players. Three throughout those drafts. That's what's gone wrong for North. We've stuck fat. We've stuck to our plans. And by the time we got rid of our experienced blokes, Mitchell, O'Meara, McAvoy, Shields, etc., etc., our guys had already played and played good footy. Warple won a best and fairest. Day had the potential. Jai, frankly, the Prince of Poowong, is going to get himself a statue if he keeps going at this rate. My goodness. But the, again, no one saw Connor Nash coming. No one at North saw Bailey Scott being what is going to be another top three finish in their best and fairest. He's a pretty good wingman, Bailey Scott. That kind of came out of nowhere. But North's guys that are on the fringe have not proven a thing, whereas all of our potential is coming through slowly. So, yes, we might get smacked more times. We are so much closer to a flag, it's not funny. So Mark McKenzie and the rest of your recruiting team for the Josh Weddle trade, for taking Ward, McDonald, Butler, Brockman, Ned Long, these guys in the last couple of years, take your hat off, tip your cap. If you if anyone thinks that we're in a bad spot right now, you're probably right. If you still think we're going to be a bad in a bad spot in two years, I'm sorry, you're kidding yourselves. A tip of the cap to the recruiting team, mate. They've done awesome in the last three or four years. Absolutely, done a tremendous job, and I think you probably have to tie in the recruitment team with the development team as well. Yes, You've got Andy yep. Collins down at at, uh, at Hawthorne, who's doing a tremendous job, and I know from when Zane came on the the live stream the other night, he was talking about Cosy, and they'd moved him, you know, to, to go back and play down back, and and Matt asked Zane, you know, what was the reasoning behind it, and he said, Colo's theory is it's like a horse going over the jump. Sometimes they just need a bit of a freshen up. And all of a sudden, you look what happens. And look at DGB, for example. Went, played forward, had a bit of freedom. He's now back into the into the starting side, which is great for him. And I think the recruiting team have done a tremendous job, but the development team in hand. Because as you said, LDU is the only one who's come on for North Melbourne. You look at our guys. Each year, they're building and they're building and they're building. And I think that you know what, what they're currently building at the moment, I think if you, you listen to Sam talk, he says the majority of the next premiership team is there. And when you see glimpses of it like we saw yesterday, it certainly builds builds that expectation, I guess, or anticipation uh, in terms of us supporters because we look at it and go, if they keep developing on this path, 
who knows where they'll end up. I mean, there was the rumours at the beginning of the year that you know, John Newcomb had hit his ceiling. Other <laughs> other teams were saying, he's hit his ceiling, he's, he's not going to get any better. And you watch him and you go, are you serious? Like, <laughs> Can I have some of what you've got? Because actually, I don't want it. It makes me dumber. No, I take that back. I retract that in a big way. But... But, like, 15 years ago, Clarko drew a shark on the whiteboard and it helped win us a flag. And right now our recruiting team are using a shark analogy whether they like it or not. Because if we stay still and we get stagnant, we'll drown. We'll make moves. We took the Mitchell and O'Meara risk. All right, we went and got Lloyd Meek. Has it worked? Well, that can be a discussion for another day. But it's, what would you rather do? Would you rather take no risks at all? Or would you rather take a punt and it might not work? For every Tyrone Vickery and Jono O'Rourke, we got Josh Gibson and Brian Lake. For, you know, for every Gunston, we picked up, and, you can, and I don't want to keep trashing on guys here, but we picked up John Patton. For all of them that don't work, some of them will work, and we've just got to keep tinkering until we find the combination. And why are we allowed to do that? Why were we allowed to get Vickery? Why were we allowed to get these guys that mightn't have worked? Because the blokes that were already there were already good. It's the same process. Go through any off-season that Hawthorne have had. We missed on some picks in the 2004 draft. We got three of them ridiculously right, by the way. The first three, which is pretty important. <laughs> but we're not going to go through an off-season of perfection. And I think that Mark McKenzie right now is the most underrated man at Hawthorne. And I feel like this rant's gone on too long now. But uh, for someone that does... You know, he's best to keep up with all, everything off-season, rumours, trade, draft. I've got to tip my cap because they've done an outstanding job and I'm going to uh, stop it now and I'm going to let you go to your third point in the fifth of the night, mate. But I didn't realise that was such a big passion of mine. But anyway, over to you. That was beautiful to hear. I think uh, Mark McKenzie certainly doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. So we'll make sure we get a copy of this down to Bunjil Bagora for him so he can, uh, he can listen to it. I appreciate uh, my, last, <laughs> my last point I want to talk about is uh, missing the main training session. So usually when players miss the main training session on, <laughs> on the Thursday before the game, it leaves them in some doubt. And the two blokes I want to talk about, both didn't train uh, the final training session. Both of them were very iffy at the captain's run on Saturday. And then both of them come out and played absolute blinders. So James Warple kicks, uh, kicks one goal, a couple of behinds, 32 touches, 702 metres gained, 10 score involvements, 21 pressure acts, 10 inside 50s. Had back spasms throughout the week and was looking very, very iffy as to whether or not he'd play. And then you had Carl Eamon who didn't train all week. And when I say all week, I mean literally didn't get onto the park all week. Uh, the captain's run, I think he did about 10 minutes and that was it. Has 33, 813 metres gained, 8 inside 50s, 5 score involvements. And the medical team down at Hawthorne, need to get a massive rap just like Mark McKenzie because to get those blokes onto the park when the day before the game both of them look like they were very, very iffy to be playing and then they come out and play absolute blinders like that. I wish when I was playing park footy it worked that way. I mean, I'd train my backside off and it couldn't even get close to it. And, uh, but, yeah, I was, it was so good to see both of them. I mean, Carl Eamon floating between half-back, wing, uh, running through the centre of the ground was wonderful to watch and then warps. You know, turning back the clock, I know a lot of people will say his disposal lets him down, his disposal lets him down, but when you're getting 32 touches, you're at the coal face, you're doing tremendous work, you're getting shots on goal, and we know that you know midfielders who can kick goals is something that's uh, 
one of those things that you really want to see in a, in a team, especially a team that's going to be competing. And if Wolves is hitting the you know scoreboard each week, it's got to be a benefit for us. So hopefully we'll see a contract extension for Warps in the, the not too distant future. But yeah, I thought both those guys deserved a massive bit of praise because coming in underdone and they perform that way, that's uh, mm. tremendous work from them. Yeah, I agree. Now I'm going to take a little bit from my last point and just insert it here. So, to the to the people that knock Jimmy Warple, uh, I, I just want to say one thing, and that is he's currently leading the Hawks in clearances, contested possession, and pressure acts. All three of those things. So no matter what, he's around the ball. And the only question that I've got is which other player currently leading his contested possession rate for his team is a great kick. Who is it? Because it ain't Rory Laird. Rory Laird's not a great kick for Adelaide. Lockie Neal's not a great kick for Brisbane. He's won a Brownlow medal. Patrick Cripps is not a good kick. Danger, he's won a Brownlow. Isn't a very good field kick at all. Matt Rowe, not a great field kick. So whoever it is, by all means, let me know. Or maybe, just maybe, he's a territory player who wins it hard at the contest. But hey, that's just me. What do I know? I'm only watching the game. Um... But this leads me into my last point, mate. And uh, you, you, you know this about me. It's, it's, we, can't, we can't do six points of, uh, of smiles, giggles, and love. It's, it's not possible. Uh, my family's British. I was not brought up this way. So there's got to be something that I need to talk about a little bit. And it's actually social media. And it's to fans. It, the fans. They are, we, we love you here at Talking Hawks. And by all means, we love a, a healthy footy debate. But we just won a game by eight goals. What are you whinging for? Now, I want to clarify what whinging is because finding things that you're not exactly happy with is not whinging. So for those that go, love the fact that we won, loved what I saw, I wish I could see a bit more, and then you can insert it that way. That is fine. But we won a game of footy by eight goals. We've won five games this year. If you remember going back to the start of the year, I know Damien Barrett said the tanking thing. We'll set that aside. No one... None of the AFL.com.au journos didn't have us winning the wooden spoon. Two journos at Fox Sports did not have us winning the wooden spoon. Now, you might say they just don't know what they're talking about, and I would agree with you, but expectation versus output has been a net positive the entire year. Okay, maybe take out from rounds two to eight. I'm with you because we had some trying times and a couple of those losses. I get that. But considering we've had eight smackings this year, can we just take a week and focus on the good? And by that, I mean, let's not dance around the two or three negatives that we can find and just focus on them. Talk about them, sure. Comment about them, awesome. But keeping on driving the point home after we've won a game of footy by eight goals to me is ridiculous. I came away from watching that game, like I said, not live. I was commentating basketball at the time and keeping an eye on the score. If our biggest problem... As the third youngest team to take the field in a round of footy is goal kicking. I'm laughing. That I'm go I'm set with that. Oh, Ruckman mightn't have had a great impact. Well, Tristan Sherry didn't exactly set the world on fire. Are there things to work on? Yes, we're not the finished product. We won a game by eight goals. So let's keep it a bit more positive on Twitter, please, because I'm getting sick and tired. And you probably just say, oh, I'm the problem. Get off Twitter, Daz, and you won't get angry. I probably agree with you. But, guys, we won a game of footy by eight goals. The fact that we've even got some people twisting that around and saying, oh, it's north. We should have won by more. 
Mate, Richmond only beat West Coast by less than that. Like, come on. This really isn't what you think it is. Let's get around this footy club. I know we've had success, and right now that feels like a curse because none of you seem that happy at all, which is a real shame. But take a breath, look at what we're doing well, and we have a real chance to beat Richmond, which it feels like we haven't done in 25 damn years, because if there's one fan base that gets sensitive about a winning streak, it's the yellow and black. So let's focus on that and fix it and enjoy. Can we just enjoy the fact that a rebuilding team and the one we love got a win? Is that really too much to ask? Rant over. Yeah, no, look, I completely agree. Look, being at the <sighs> game at uh, halftime, I must admit, I was sitting next to... Whitey, who's one of our uh, player sponsor members, and uh, I turned to him and we went, well, 3.13. Like, imagine if we kick straight. And it was that whole, yeah, imagine if we kick straight. <laughs> and then it was, but we're still in front. It's a young mm. team. And then we started talking about the positives. How good has Brocky's taplons been? Yeah. He's not getting stats for him. Jeez, how good has he been? What about Weds? You don't know when he's going to bounce. We don't know where he's going. <laughs> but God, it's exciting to watch. Like, how good is it? Scrimshaw. Taking these intercept marks. I mean, at one stage, Scrimmer was on Larky in the goal square. And you back Scrimmer in and he took the mark and you went, whoa. Like, there are so many positives. Week in and week out, regardless of the result, regardless of if we, we get the four points or not. I mean, even against Carlton, go back three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we lose to, we lose to Carlton. But, God, that third quarter was exciting where we kicked mm. five goals. Like, it was... Now... I know that we as supporters can be fickle bunch and we certainly can be. And I'm in a few WhatsApp groups and Facebook messenger groups and all sorts. And throughout the game, you know, we, we pop players left, right and center. But I agree with you. It's such an exciting time to, to be a supporter because you go into games and I guess the expectations are low, but when they're performing the way that we've seen them perform and you're seeing these young kids like Joshy Ward starting to make it at this level, Connor McDonald being an absolute freak uh, in terms of what he's doing. And you go, stop stop finding the negatives. Look at the positives. I mean, this is coming from Captain Optimism here, but find, <laughs> the, find the positives. Like, there are so many positives to, to watch throughout the game. And I, I agree, you know, if you if you can't be excited and, and happy about what we're doing at the current time, it's a uh, yeah, pretty sad state, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. Like, if Richmond come out and beat us by 90, mate, I'll, ju I'll jump on the negative bandwagon and pick it apart. That's what I do. I'm cool with that. We won a game of footy by eight goals. If I'm happy, how are other people not? And that's pretty much the point. But I'll tell you what we are happy about, mate, and that is the fact that we have been able to get around the player sponsorship this year. Denver, Jai, and Jasmine Fleming. And isn't that going to be all the more important considering the AFLW fixture has just dropped round one. The Hawks are going to be heading to Kinetic Stadium. And even though I live in Frankston, I forgot that Skybus was called Kinetic now. So I was Googling where it was. Nothing was showing up. And it turns out it's eight minutes from my doorstep. So I'm looking forward to that in mid-September, but you can get involved at talkinghawks.com slash player sponsorship, or if you just go to our homepage, guys, it's right there. Mitch has done an image that, seriously, you'd have to be blinder than me to miss it. So you're all good. You're absolutely golden. Timmy, anything else, mate, that you want to jump in on about the game before we let the good people go? No, just enjoy the win. Uh, as Sam says, you know, you enjoy it for 24 hours. So by the time you finish listening to this podcast tomorrow, we start looking ahead to the Richmond game. And I think we're, we're in it up to our teeth and looking forward to uh, to hopefully knocking off the, the Tigers at the MCG. There'll be a lot of 
yellow and black faithful there, but it'd be nice to see a fair bit of brown and gold there as well. It's one of our replacement games, so it'd be mm. great to uh, to see a lot of people there and, and wearing the brown and gold and to get behind the boys. With I think we've got uh, six games left, and we've got I think we've got four in in Victoria, so mm. good time to get around it. And actually, mate, fun fact for you: the Richmond game will be the first time this year we've played back to back games in Melbourne. There we go. Look at there that. There you go. How crazy that's is that a, in the a, run that's home? That's unreal. Yeah, which is nuts. So the boys have had to travel, which is extraordinary. But looking forward to it, Richmond will have Dustin Martin because when you're Dustin Martin, you can elbow blokes now. But if you wear number six for Hawthorne, you can't tackle blokes. So that's a story for another day. Join the live stream on Wednesday, 8 p.m. I think I'll be jumping on with Matt. So that'll be a bunch of fun. We'll have the oppo analysis, talk all things Richmond, how they didn't put West Coast away and their recent run of form under new coach, Andrew McWalter. We hope you've enjoyed. Follow the podcast however your podcast providing platform is asking you to have a fantastic start to your week. We'll see you very soon. And as always, guys, go the